Good morning. Please find your way in God's Word to the book of Mark. We're still in chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That's the reason for this gospel, that we may know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he is the suffering servant. Last week, we looked at the beginning of Jesus' discipleship ministry, and we saw how God gave undeniable evidence that Jesus Christ is, in fact, the Son of God. Jesus went into a synagogue and taught with authority. It is only God who has the authority over the Word of God. Jesus rebuked, he silenced, and commanded an unclean spirit to come out of a man. It is only the Son of God who has the authority over the supernatural. Jesus went on to Peter and Andrew's house and immediately cured his mother, his mother-in-law of a fever. It is only the Son of God who has the authority over creation. And we left off last week with the, the whole town was at the front door of Peter's home. Look at verse 32. That evening at sundown, now remember, it's the Sabbath, so no work was allowed. Walking too far wasn't allowed. So when the sun went down, they carried all the sick people to Jesus. And they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many. Now, I want to make sure you understand that when it says many, it doesn't mean that he healed some of them. What it means is that there were many there, and he healed many. He, he healed them all. All who were sick with various diseases and cast out demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew they knew him. <clears throat> the whole town, the entire town was cured of every disease, every ailment, every cripple, every broken bone. He healed everything right down to a fever. And the following day, the doctor of that town went on vacation. He had no patience. No work to be done. Jesus healed everybody. Time to go fishing. Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus did verifiable healings, <clears throat> giving proof that he is indeed the Son of God. Now, before we go on, I want to talk about healing powers or the gift of healing, because you, you hear about this a lot, or you see it a lot on, on TV. There have been many over the years that who have claimed to have the gift of healing, and they put on this big uh, guarded production. They they, they only allow certain ones in. They only allow certain ones on the stage. They charge money to get into the stadiums. They charge even more money to get onto the stage. You know, that's, that's one thing I would say when it comes to this healing. Watch the money. If there's money there, be aware. Be careful. To be honest, I believe if someone actually did have the healing power, to he had the power to heal people, and, and that power came from God, I, I don't think they would charge. I don't think they'd be charging some dead tree, printed on dead tree, to come up here and get healed. Really? I've said this for years. Even before I was saved, when I would see those productions on TV of waving the coat at people and everything, I, I, I asked then, asked them, why are they not down there at the hospital healing people? Why are they on TV? Why are they on stage? Why are they not just going through the children's ward and healing every one of them? They don't because they don't have the power to do such things. They never do verifiable healings. 
it's always something that you can't you can't question because they don't have the power to do so and let me say this too claiming to have healing powers is cruel you see they say send me a thousand dollars and I will pray over you pray over your letter wave my coat at you slap you with my hand and then when the healing doesn't happen they put it back on the already ailing person they say you're not healed because you didn't have enough faith so they're devastated would you say that to a sick child really you're gonna tell a sick child that they didn't have enough faith that's cruel that's wrong these people are predators they prey on the weak and hurting people who are desperate and then you know what happens people will send their money to the ones who claim to speak for God and when the healing doesn't come they end up broke still sick and then they walk away from God because they, they, they believe because nothing happened like the shyster said it was going to. And they walk away from God. Beware of anyone who claims to have the gift of healing, especially if they're asking for money. Now, does God still heal today? Yes. Yes, he can. But not through these people. Could he use someone? Yes. Yes, he could. He really could. He's God. He can do what he wants. But let me just say this. There are over 7 billion people on this earth, 7 billion. And if one person really had the power to heal like Jesus did, we would know that person. With the power of the Internet and the media, if this person did verifiable healings, <laughs> we would know him. They would be around him. Jesus really had the power to heal and perform many verifiable healings and that's why we are still talking about him 2,000 years later it was verifiable Jesus performed miracles not to impress people with his power but to authenticate his message if you're claiming to be the son of God then you better be able to do something to prove it amen and Jesus did many things to prove that he was indeed the sent one, that he was indeed the son of God. I hear people say all the time, well, I just don't believe in Jesus or what he did. And I ask them, have you looked at the evidence? Have you looked at the evidence? Have you investigated what he has done? And, and usually the answer is, well, no, I know I heard this or something like that. You know, they never really look into the evidence. I always love what Bodie Bauckham said about the scriptures. He says, I choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report, listen, supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of specific prophecies and claim that their writings are divine, rather human in origin. I agree. I agree. Jesus has the authority over scriptures. He has the authority over the supernatural. And he has authority over creation. And he proved it all by what he did as he walked on this earth. He showed his power and authority to authenticate his message. He didn't do it for show. He didn't do it for gain. He didn't do it for fame. If that, were, if that were the case, he would have let the demons speak. If that were the case, Jesus would have taken all the publicity he could have gotten. 
Jesus was here to proclaim that the kingdom is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. Listen, instead of receiving publicity, Jesus gave proof. By silencing the demons, Jesus demonstrated his authority and power over them. Jesus wanted the people to believe he was the Messiah because of what he said and did, not because of someone else's words, not because of the demons' words. Jesus did not need a publicity manager. He wanted to reveal his identity as the Messiah, as the Son of God, according to his timetable, not according to the demon's timetable or anyone else. That's why he says silence, silence. Jesus did not want people to come to him just because he was the healer or a miracle worker or a political figure or a military deliverer, none of that. He wanted people to know that they could come to him to be set free, set free from sin's guilt, set free from sin's power, set free from the penalty of sin. And only, only the Son of God can do that for man. And that's why Jesus was going to show himself to be the suffering servant before he became the great king. Jesus, God, had a plan. And all would roll out on God's timetable. His purpose for coming was not to heal, but to be a deliverer. And that's the message he wanted to proclaim and in his time. However, the crowds, what did they want? The crowds wanted to see Jesus again, not to hear his word, but to experience his healing and see him perform miracles. And that's why Jesus did what he did. Look at verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to, the, to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, Let's go to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Peter, he may have been surprised that Jesus wasn't soaking up all the fame that he had in town. You know, I mean, anyone else probably would have. Peter says, hey, everyone's looking for you. Come on, let's get back down here. And Jesus says, you know, it's time to go. Why? Time to go preach the gospel in other places. That's how Jesus responded to that. He wasn't looking for the fame. You see, God knows the heart. P Peter didn't. He didn't realize the shallowness of the crowds, their, their unbelief, their, their lack of appetite for the word of God. So Jesus says, let's go to the next town and preach. For that's why I came out. That's why I came to preach the good news. Now, something that we, that we can't just overlook right here, back at verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. You know, I'm sure Jesus put in late hours that night with, all, with the whole town at his door. And yet, what did he do? He got up early went away from everyone, 
went out where no one could see him and prayed. Does that not show us how important prayer is? The Son of God, Christ himself, made prayer a priority. Want to know how to be more like Christ? Pray. Pray. Something that should be at the top of our list to do every day. But for some reason, it gets bumped down the list. Something that we should desire to do above all things. And yet we end up doing worldly things over communing with God himself. Something that should be so easy to, easy to do, but it seems like it's one of the most difficult things to sit down and do. Think about this. There's no equipment that, that, that we have to buy or purchase to, in order to pray. We're fully equipped to pray. There's no special place we have to go to pray. We, we can pray anywhere and everywhere. There's no special time that we, that we have to pray. We can pray at any time. So we have to ask ourselves, why do we not pray more than we do? Why do we not do that? We see Jesus praying and relying on God. Jesus himself, Jesus cannot extend himself outward in compassion without first attending to the source of his mission and purpose with the Father. His oneness with the, with the Father compels him outward in mission. Jesus goes to the Father for what? For comfort. He goes to the Father for strength. Spending time with the Father keeps him going to complete the mission that he was sent here to do. And we are to do the same. Me and Chris Fields was talking last week. We are talking about how neither one of us will be able to do what we do, handle what we handle, or just make it to the next day if it were not for the power of God. We have to tap into that power daily. We have to do it hourly, minute. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm short. My memory's short. I need minutes. You know, if, if we do not have Jesus, how we, how, how do we do what we do? How do we get to the next day? We get all our strength from God. All the believers said, Amen. Amen. So again, I say, what an example for us to follow. Jesus prayed. We are to pray. I hear people say all the time, well, God's going to do what God wants to do, so why should I pray? And the perfect Sunday school answer would be because Jesus did. They can't argue that one. Jesus did, so we should. True, but, but there's more. Listen, prayer is a form of serving and obeying God. Luke 2. We pray because God commands us to pray, Philippians 4. We pray to gain strength to overcome temptation, Matthew 26. We come to God with our specific request, and we have God's promise that our prayers are not in vain, even if we do not receive specifically what we ask for, Matthew 6, Romans 8. God has said that we often go without because we do not ask, James 4. So in one sense, this prayer is, is like sharing the gospel with, some, with people. We do not know who will respond to the message of the gospel until we share it, right? 
In the same way, we will never see the results of answer prayers unless we pray it. Prayer is described in the Bible as seeking God's favor, pouring out one's soul to the Lord, crying out to heaven, drawing near to God, and kneeling before the Father. And I always go, Philippians 4, 6-7, we should have this one memorized. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, what? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be, be made known to God and the peace of God will surpass all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, in my language, worry about nothing, pray about everything. Everything, yes, everything. God wants us to talk with him about everything. That means we are to pray without ceasing. For, without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Basically, we should keep a running conversation going with God all day long and make time to be alone with God as Jesus did. We need to get away from all the distractions of the world and just pour out our hearts to the one high priest who knows all our sufferings. Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we were yet without sin, as we are yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. Amen? And so Jesus got up and prayed. And after he prayed, he said to them, let's go out to the next town that I may preach there, for that is why I came. Jesus and the disciples left Capernaum and began a preaching and healing tour throughout Galilee. You see, the Romans had divided the land of Israel into three separate regions. We hear these, these uh, regions often, Galilee, Samaria, and Judea. Many names you've heard before. Galilee is the northernmost region. It, it's an area of about 60 miles long and 30 miles wide. And, and Jesus did much of his ministry in this area, an, an ideal place for him to teach because there were over 250 towns concentrated in this area. And they had many synagogues, as we saw last week, where Jesus could proclaim his message, can proclaim the good news. And as they were going along, verse 40, a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And Im immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priest and offer, for your, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer op openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. You can go to Leviticus chapters 13 and 14 and you can see all the regulations and restrictions that were put on the people who had leprosy. 
They were supposed to keep their distance from everyone. They were to warn everyone that they were coming if they were getting close to people. But that's not what happened here. Here's a man who boldly went to Jesus. He, he went through the crowd without warning anyone. He had heard about the miracle worker. He had heard about the power of Jesus. He had heard about the authority of Christ. And, and so this man knew without a doubt that Jesus could make him clean. If you will, he said, if you will, you can make me clean. Again, I'm sure the crowd was in shock. You know, I bet you could hear a pin drop as everyone was waiting for the response of Jesus. You know, everyone could understand how Jesus could touch a, a, a feverish woman and heal her. That's real nice. Or how he could take a crippled child in his arms and make that child whole again. They, they, they might could understand Jesus touching anyone, anyone but a leper. Why? Leprosy was a terrifying disease. Because of the social rejection and the devastating impact it had on its victims, it was terrifying. Some forms were contagious, disfiguring, and or deadly. A lot of it was incurable. Because of the unknown, no one touched a leper. People with leprosy were declared unclean. That meant they were unfit to participate in any religious or social activity. This disease is so bad that the law said that any contact with any person with leprosy made that person unclean too. No touching, no contact at all. It is said that some people even threw rocks at lepers to, to keep them at a safe distance. And so leopards lived together in colonies outside their community, away from everyone, where most of them would remain there until they died. Lepers were referred to as the living dead. Now, sometimes the disease would go away because there's various types of, of, of this disease, and, and sometimes it would just leave that person. And, and if that happened, that person would then go to the priest and ask to be declared clean. And if he was declared clean, he would then return to the community. But until the priest said he was clean, he was to never approach anyone. But this man approached Jesus. He wasn't clean. No one should have touched him. Didn't matter to him. He came boldly. He came humbly. He came to Jesus imploring him and kneeling, an act of worship. He came begging and praising Jesus. He knew he was not worthy, so he didn't come demanding a healing. He didn't do that. He's begging. He's on his knees. He's desperate. The word used here really revealed his heart and his faith. He didn't ask Jesus to declare him as a priest would do, as a priest would declare him clean. No, he said, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. There's a big difference. He wanted to be made clean. He wanted to be a person again. He wanted to be with his family again. And that's why he risked everything breaking both law and custom on the chance of being healed and restored by Jesus. He's was, he was desperate. 
So he approaches Jesus on his knees. If you're willing, you can. If you're willing, you can make me clean. And the response of Jesus is no less scandalous than the lepers' audacity. Any other day, the people would, would have turned and ran from this guy. They would have turned away from him. But rather than turning from him, Jesus turned to him. And not only did he turn to him, but Jesus went beyond that. He touched the man. He put his hands on him. He brings himself into full contact with someone who is physically and ritually untouchable. You know, the touch of Jesus speaks more loudly than his words. And the words of Jesus touch the leper more deeply than any act of human love. Jesus said, as he put his hands on him, I am willing, I will be clean. Our text says that Jesus was moved with pity. Some text translates it filled with compassion. I want to point something out here. I have a, we have a very old, important manuscript that it reads filled with anger. I was like, filled with anger? I, I got to look into this. You know, in, in this context and coming from Jesus, anger initially seems wrong, does it not? Both Matthew and Luke omit the word in their retelling of the story, but in a deeper look, anger may not be as offensive as it first appears. We can read in Judges 10, 16, God became indignant over the misery of Israel, much as Jesus does here. If anger is the original reading, it must clearly mean that Jesus was indignant at the misery of the leper. I'm sure when Jesus sees what sin has done to the world and his people, it angers him. It's a righteous anger. I'm sure Jesus did have compassion on this ailing man. He, 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 his heart was probably broken for this man because he did heal him. The seeing effects of sin with anger. Jesus said, I am willing. And he willingly healed this man. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. What did Jesus just do here? Jesus touched the untouchable and cured the incurable. His touch showed that Jesus was not bound by rabbinic regulations regarding ritual defilement. Because Jesus is the Son of God, he was not declared unclean because he touched this man. His touch showed that he could not be defiled by the effects of sin. He cured this man with a touch. And he was not defiled. And, and you know, I, I can't help to think, too, about this man. That this was probably the first loving touch this leper had felt in a long time. Can you imagine the emotions he was having? Not only did he feel the touch of human hands again, but he was touched by the Son of God. It had to be overwhelming. And on top of that, he looked at himself and he could see that he was cured of this awful disease. I bet he could hardly contain himself. He didn't. He couldn't. My heart goes out to him. 
Now watch this. After the healing, Jesus didn't put this man on display and declare to everyone what he had done. He did not put on a show to get attention from anyone. Remember, Jesus is not looking for fame. He is the Son of God here to proclaim the good news, and any miracle he does is done to authenticate that message. So instead of making a production so everyone would see his power, instead of bringing this man up on stage, he sends this guy packing. Jesus says in verse 41, he says, I will be clean. And look at verse 42. And immediately... The leprosy left him, and he was made clean, and Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing that what Moses commanded for a proof to them. He immediately sent the guy away. He sternly charged him on what he's supposed to do, a, a firm charge of say nothing to anyone. Leave now, show yourself to the priests, and offer your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Leave now. See that you do not tell anyone what has happened. Go to the priest. Jesus didn't put on a show. He didn't do anything for attention. He sends the leper to the priest. You see, when a leper was, cure, was cured... He or she had to go to a priest to be examined. Then the leper was to give a thank offering at the temple. It was a long procedure. After a waiting period of eight days, the, the healed person further brought to the priest three lambs, one sin offering, one guilt offering, and a whole offering. There was a lot to go through to be declared clean. Something to make note of here by Jesus sending him to the priest. He adhered to the laws by sending the man to the priest. He adhered to the laws, thereby, thereby demonstrating Jesus' complete regard for God's law. Jesus never broke the law. He fulfilled it, and Jesus commanded the man to follow the Mosaic law. He was not to break the law. Now I'm thinking, he's up in Galilee. That's a long ways to Jerusalem to go carry three goats or whatever he's supposed to carry down there. That's a lot to do. How is this man going to contain himself for that amount of time? Again, he didn't. Well, I found out, too, that the prescribed sacrifice could be rendered the next time the man went to the temple. So the next festival, he could do the sacrifice. He didn't have to leave and go to Jerusalem right then. But as for now, he could find a local priest and be declared clean. But in the meantime... The news of his healing began to spread. Why? Because this man broke Jesus' command. He went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. This is not what Jesus wanted. Remember, Jesus does not need a publicity agent. Jesus' mission was to preach the good news of the gospel. If the crowds descended on him to see miracles accomplished or to benefit from his power... They would not be coming to hear, coming with the heart attitude needed to hear and respond to the gospel. Jesus did not want to be a miracle worker in a sideshow. He wanted to be the savior of their souls. You know, as I studied this, something hit me pretty hard. Jesus told this man 
to keep quiet. And yet he told everybody. And we could judge this man and we could say, why didn't he just do what Jesus told him to do? Before we judge, do a self-examination. Jesus commands us to tell everybody about him and yet we keep quiet. I guess that's getting the log out of the, my eye before I get that speck out of his. We are commanded to go tell about Jesus. But for here, the results of disobedience, his disobedience to Jesus' command, even if his motives were good, he was disobedient. I know he's excited. I know he wanted to tell everyone. But his disobedience hindered Jesus' work from the pub publicity Jesus received because the publicity that Jesus received severely hampered his ministry. Verse 45, when he went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. You know, some have labeled this passage as Jesus trading places with the leper. And here's why. Jesus has relieved the leper of his burden. But in broadcasting the news, the leper imposes a burden on Jesus. For he could no longer enter a town. And he had to be... And, but, enter town openly but stayed outside in lonely places Mark began this story with Jesus on the inside and the leper on the outside at the end of the story Jesus is on the outside in lonely places Jesus and the leper have indeed traded places Jesus is on the outside and the leper is on the inside it brings to light the suffering servant, does it not? Mark wants us to know that Jesus is the Son of God, but he also wants us to know that Jesus is indeed the suffering servant, and he bears all our iniquities. Isaiah 53, 11 foretells of the suffering servant, Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, Make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Like Chris said earlier today, earlier this morning, you know, our righteous comes from him because he bears our iniquities. Verse 12 in, I, in Isaiah, Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercessions for the transgressors. He bears our iniquities, and by doing so, he's numbered with the transgressors. He is our suffering servant. And we can see it in our text today as he traded places with the leper. And he trades places with us too. You know... Leprosy is a good picture of sin. It's deeper than just on the skin. 
Sin is never just on the surface. Leprosy spreads. You can never contain sin. You can never, you never know who and what sin will affect. Leprosy defiles and isolates. Sin will take you away from truth and will isolate you from the ones who love you. Leprosy renders things fit only for fire and nothing good comes out of sin. Like leprosy, sin is deadly and we all have it. Only Christ's healing touch can miraculously take away our sins and restore us to real living. But first, just like the leper, we must realize our inability to cure ourselves and ask Christ, ask Jesus, ask the suffering servant to make us clean. He is willing. All we have to do is ask. And if you have asked, then let's be like the leper and go tell everyone about the one who can heal us of our incurable disease. Tell about the one who can take our sin away. Amen.